But I think they're going to do great. I think that Pastor Caleb's heart is very beautiful and pure. He's surrendered to the Lord. And uh, anyhow, that's, that's where I was, and I had memories. So anyway, Sermon 1, not for today. I need to understand it before I try to make you understand it. Sermon 2, maybe for today. And then I come here. When I'm there, they sang this song. There's another in the fire. There's another in the sea. And I'm like, I never heard that song before. Did I hear it here? Have I sang it before? Okay, right. Like I told you, you know, details, details escape me. And uh, I'm like, man, there's a, there's a great sermon in that song, you know. Don't laugh too hard at me. I mean, you know, I'm vulnerable, but I'm not bulletproof. <laughs> yeah, I didn't recognize it until that part. Anyhow, here's the thing. I'm like, I wrote it down. There's, a, there's another in the fire standing next to me. There's another in the water holding back the sea, right? And I'm like, oh, man, Lord, wow. <laughs> That's a great revelation. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like there's another in the fire. And it doesn't feel like there's somebody holding back the sea. Yeah, gosh, I didn't even think that was a reference to the Red Sea. Yeah. (laughs) Not the the sharpest tool in the shed either. Sorry. I'm thinking it's Jesus in the boat. Okay. So anyhow, um, there's a thing going on with someone I love so much that's... mm, and the, and the Lord said their name. So I wrote those verses on my, in my notebook, and I wrote that name. I come in here. Okay, it's Teresa, because it's hard to tell the story. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, honey, honey. And I show her, look, look up on there. Look in my book. And look, I wrote your name right next to it. And here's the thought that came to me. And this, this might be the sermon today. Uh, you'll have to just bear with me, because... I got 50 scriptures in my head, but I don't know where they're all at. And this is actually partially the one, not this week, not next week, but the following week is in there. So just bear with me. I'm already scattered. God says to you and to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But sometimes you're in the fire and you don't know he's right there. And you wonder. And and in the Bible, God says also, If God is for us, who can be against us? But sometimes it feels like there's nobody who's got my back, or better yet, you know, my front. Get in front, Lord, you know. Footprints in the sand. Footprints in the sand. There you go. I don't know exactly, I don't know exactly where in the book, do I got like spinach in my teeth? The dog is snoring. Oh, okay. I yeah. Okay. Well, I can't hear that. I yeah. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. You know, I'm a funny guy. Sometimes I stand in the mirror and just crack up. Okay. Sorry. Back. If God will never leave you nor forsake you. How many are, are, are in like anything that feels like, oh God, I need you right now, right this very minute? Yeah, it's life, isn't it? It's life. And how many, even if you haven't been, if you looked backwards, you were? I'm not prophesying, but I think if you look forward, there's another one coming sooner or later, right? It's life. 
But God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus, when he gave the Great Commission, he said, go into all the nations and make disciples. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. What comes next? And lo, I will be with you always. Even until the end of the age. Amen. So I don't know exactly where in the book of Daniel it is, or I'd go find it and read it to you. But there's these three guys. There's four guys. There's Daniel, there's Shadrach, there's Meshach, and there's Abednego. And they won't, they won't worship any god but the true god, right? And they, they're, they're in a situation where uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to be tossed into the furnace if they won't bow before and worship Nebuchadnezzar as a god. And, and they, don't, they won't do it. And they say, well, he says, like, do you, will your God save you? And they're like, I don't know. He might, but he might not. But either way, we're not worshiping you because we know who the only true God is. And when that scripture, I'm pretty certain this is true, 99%, in the New Testament says, I will let, never leave you nor forsake you, or, or whatever the words are. That's a quoted scripture from the Old Testament. I got the nod from Steve. He went to Bible college, so I'm safe. where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go in the fire, right? Okay. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're standing at the door of the fire, and the fire was made so extra hot that it turns out that, that the guy that tossed them in, or guys that tossed them in, got burned up on the outside. They didn't even go in the fire. Just being too close to the door cooked these guys. And they're looking, and they're looking, and they're looking, and they can see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego but there's another one with him, a one who is like the Son of Man, Amen. who's in the fire with him. When did they find out Jesus was in the fire? We know it wasn't before they went in the fire, right? Because they said, I don't know what God's going to do. But when they got in the fire, they found that Jesus was there. And when they came out, even their wranglers weren't burned. They didn't smell like smoke. Their beard wasn't singed. <laughs> the point is, they went into the fire and found Jesus in there waiting for them. And guess what? If they'd have went into the fire and got cooked like the guy at the door, guess what the next thing they would have found? Jesus waiting for them, right? Okay, so, so whatever this thing is or that thing was or the next thing might be, whether you know it or you don't, he's there. And whether it brings out who knows what, or you walk right through it and come out without any stink on your clothes. Guess what? He was there. And he will be there. And he will always be there. There's another one. I know where this scripture is. Huh? You have to have the courage to step into the fire. You have to, you have to know what's right. You have to know what's true. And then by faith you trust. Be anxious for nothing. What does that leave room for in the area of anxiety? Nothing. nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But, Lord, what about... No. Nope. Because if, if we'll be anxious for nothing and, and make our requests known to God through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, then guess what will come? The peace of God. What's the peace of God like? I can't explain it to you, and you can't understand it. 
It's so over the top that it's beyond knowledge, beyond understanding. See, when you're about to step into the fire, well, you know, maybe someone's going to help you into the fire, but you're about to step one next step where you know here it's safe, there it might not be. you got to know that the peace of God is waiting for you. Wow, they demand scriptures. Whew. But <laughs> you shouldn't be double-minded, right? Don't be double-minded because double-mindedness really God doesn't like that. He wants us to trust him and believe him. So when you're stepping, you step in absolute faith and trust because his word said that he's going to be there with you. But sometimes you're in a place where... Um, uh, where... <laughs> where he's never left you nor forsaken you in the, in the larger sense, but, but you can be a place where he's not with you, so to speak. First John says, walk in the light as he himself is in the light. And you will have fellowship. Walk in the light as he himself is in the light, and you will have fellowship with one another. Uh, that part I'm not getting exactly right, but the gist is right. Essentially, his fellowshipping is in the light. In uh, James, it says... Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Because he doesn't fellowship in the darkness. It doesn't mean he's forsaken you. It doesn't mean he's not with you in the sense that, that, that he's with you, that he's still at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf day and night. But God doesn't fellowship so much in the darkness. So when it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, it's, there, there's something that you're doing that needs to stop. Your hands, it's, it's activity, it's something. And cleanse your heart, you double-minded, is to, is to say, no way. God's word is true. I believe what God said. This, for whatever reason that seemed right, isn't right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cleanse myself of that kind of thing. I'm not going to give in to those thoughts and those temptations and those flaming arrows of the evil one. That My shield of faith will extinguish them. And here's the scripture. There's this guy. Now, I've read this recently, but I haven't read it like in the last few days. And I'm not certain that I can give you all the circumstances of King Asa. But if you go to Second Chronicles, no... Wrong. Oh, no, that's Corinthians. <laughs> no, this is in the other part of the Bible. <laughs> Second Chronicles 15. Amen, you're there? Now, the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa. Asa is the king, and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The, the kingdom has been separated in Solomon's time. There's the northern kingdom, which is called Israel, and there's the southern kingdom, which is called Judah. The kingdom of Judah is two of the twelve tribes, Judah and Benjamin. The kingdom of Israel is the other ten. I can't, maybe there's like a, a pseudo-double because of Joseph's two boys. I don't know if that makes it actually 13 or 12. But the other tribes are in the northern kingdom. So King Asa is king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And God sends a prophet to him 
this guy named Azariah, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and all Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And, and if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. The context of being forsaken in here isn't the same as God forsaking us like in our covenant. The forsaking in that context isn't like he will never leave you nor forsake you, but you could forsake him, and, and, and then you might not be in covenant with God anymore, right? But the important part is to understand God will be with you, King Asa, when you're with him. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, God, you know, if, if, if you're calling me into this, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. I mean, that's a real example of, yeah, no, cleanse your heart, you double-minded. I had a little, my record had a skip in it right there for a second. <laughs> because I'm not believing that he's actually going to be there when I get there, right? Okay, now, um, I have to just look a little farther for, some more scripture because this one I think is in the next chapter there's a place oh here look at look at verse 9 he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim Manasseh and Simeon who resided with them so Ephraim Manasseh and Simeon those are three of the tribes of the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom really generally didn't get along very well. They actually fought with each other at times. So now you have Judah, Judah and Benjamin, but now there's Manasseh. I lost it in here. Thank you. See how it is when we work together? What a team. Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon who resided with them. Now these other three tribes, or at least people from them, For many defected to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. When when God is with even King Asa, people could see it. When they turned to the Lord, right? There's such an attraction. That's why, and I'm not trying to jam up uh, Risen Church or anything, but that's why I had to learn not to care if we had a drummer. I had to learn not to care if we had a fancy building. I had to learn not to care about all the trappings of modern church because that stuff, right, personality guy, you know, uh, Chris Swanson. I mean, people would go listen to Chris Swanson just because he's, he's got so much energy and so much confidence and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't have Jesus, Amen. they didn't hear what they needed to hear, right? So... Me and Therese, God told us over and over again, like three or four times by however many times we heard it, three or four different people that came through when we were in Africa before the church got planted. And, and they were ministering to all of us that were in Mozambique, but each, you know, they'd go down a prayer line. And when they got to me and Therese, they would pray and they'd be like, hmm, the Lord says, keep it simple. Okay. And then... You know, a week, two weeks later, another one of these big shots from somewhere in the world would come and teach us and minister to us, and they'd get to me and Therese, and they'd be praying, listening. Hmm. The Lord says, keep it simple. 
three times, maybe four times, I can't remember, but at least three times we were told that. Keep it simple. So, so we do. And now I understand why. Because I'm a guy who get drunk on success. If we did all the trappings and all the stuff, people would come. You know, I'd be, I'd be squeezing you for money because you've got to pay for all that stuff. But people will come. And then then guy like me will get drunk on it. And that'll become God, so to speak. But what we learned is that only Jesus matters. That if you come anywhere and Jesus is there, you'd be hard-pressed not to come back. Because he's pure and he's awesome. Okay, so maybe in the context of that, that's why, I think that's why the other tribes, they're like, you know, I know we're supposed to be hooked up with you, but God's with them, right? So it's not, you know, now it sounds like I'm trying to get people not to you know, go to one church or another church. That's not my point. Scroll down now to chapter 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord move true, true. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Multiple places in the Bible, it says God measures your heart. But what if I did this? Well, you're a Christian. You shouldn't have done that. But God's not looking at your behavior. He's looking at your heart. And, and when he looks at your heart and he sees a repentant heart that loves his son, is sincere in his love for his son, the behavior is a non-issue because the relationship isn't based on the behavior. The relationship is based on the heart. And now here's, I mean, maybe I'll make this a sermon about me and you, Teresa, I don't know. But now here's Pat and Teresa Brady. We grew up in the Freedom Center Church. Many of you have been to the Freedom Center Church. Freedom Center is a great church. It's where she got saved. It's it's actually where our whole family, you know, immediate family got saved. (laughs) But it's very different than this. And it was very hard when we were Caleb at whatchamacall. I, I never went to church in my whole life. The only church i ever been to more than once is the Freedom Center and Church on the Street. So all I really know about church is the Freedom Center. And the Freedom Center is, is wonderful, but the worship team stands on an X. And they can't leave the X because then the spotlight won't hit them just right. In the, in, the worship, in the worship time, they can't get on their knees if they're moved by the Spirit because then the spotlight will go over their head and miss them. And there's a smoke machine, and there's a strobe light, and there's all that kind of stuff. And, and it's not a jam. It's their call. It's the way that they're called to reach people. Bring them into some place they're familiar with. Share the gospel with them. Bring them into the kingdom. Put them into a small group. Disciple them primarily in the small group. With smoke machine and I hate the strobe light because that thing spins around and always shines in my eyes and it distracts me. But I am telling you what, I have never been in a worship service at that church. Well, before I got saved, I didn't even understand the worship service. But once I had Jesus, there was never a time I had a worship service in there where I wasn't brought to just knowing that the Lord was with me. So method, whatever, but God said to us, keep it simple. Let it be about me. And, and we get people. It's funny being me sometimes because I watch them come in and they don't get halfway through service and I watch them go. And they don't come back because church that lasts an hour and a half or two, well, an hour and a half would be 
We never an hour and a half. Right. That's what I was trying to tell you. I don't know if they told you, but nobody gets upset if you get up and leave because sometimes you can't stay that long. But normally I would preach first and then we would worship because we find that the Holy Spirit moves mostly when we're praising and worshiping him. So if we, if, if we worship first and he's moving, we've got to figure out what to do because at some point you're just going to hit the wall and maybe there is no teaching that day. So we flipped it. And then if the Holy Spirit's moving, we stay till we think he's released us. And, you know, there might be five people, there might be 50 people whenever that happens, but nobody's going to ever look at you cross-eyed because you hit the wall or your kids hit the wall or you just, you know, it was enough. But, but lots of people, that's not church, right? Caleb promised them they'd be out in an hour. That's, that's because of who he's trying to reach and how he's trying to reach them. The ones that come and stay here, tend to be people that really, really are hungry to know God and to know Holy Spirit and to operate that way. Okay. Well, now all the scriptures that popped into my head I've shared with you. I'm not sure I made any point. What's my point? What's your point, Lord? The point is that, that life is life, right? Life is tough. Oh, here's another one. He's been, he's been really showing me. <laughs> Cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heaven laden. (laughs) Come to me, all you. See, if I had notes, I could have read that perfect. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, And sometimes, you know, that gets preached, and whether it's preached this way or it's just heard this way, people think, well, I'm just going to become a Christian, and my life's going to be awesome, right? Everything's just going to get better because Steve's like, oh, yeah, ain't been my experience. <laughs> You're just the wrong guy to be right in my face <laughs> or the perfect guy, one or the other. But people get, they, 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 they hear that message or they're told that message because I remember when I got, before I got saved, all I heard, whether it's all that was said or it's just all I heard was, Jesus loves you, he wants to bless you. Jesus loves you, he wants to bless you. Well, I'm not a Christian. I've never been in a church in my life. I have no grid but the world to hang that on. I'm like, well, Jesus bless me because I'm happy to be blessed. And all of that was fleshly, selfish kind of stuff. And then as I'm in the church, I'm noticing, oh, my gosh, you know, that guy's losing his house. And, oh, my gosh, this over here. And, oh, my gosh. And I remember sitting down with Therese and saying, Therese, man, we better get ready because something's coming. I don't understand this God blessing me stuff so much, but something's coming. Jesus said, well, yeah, a hundred times. I mean, you know, it's not just Joe passing away. I mean, that was, a, that was probably the biggest one, but... But lots and lots of stuff comes that tests our faith, that tests whether or not we believe that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. But it's not necessarily true in the context of how people want to receive it sometimes, but it's true. So when you're in the middle of it, And somebody says to you, Jesus, go to Jesus. Cast your cares on Jesus. What you need to do is cast your cares on Jesus. 
And what you need to do is leave your cares on Jesus. And what you need to know or do is don't take them back. And you watch what happens. See, we should consider all joy when we face trials of many kinds because the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must, fi- must finish its work that we might be mature and complete and lacking nothing. So when we cry out as an immature Christian, as a baby, Lord, take me out of this thing. Oh, the fire's too hot. Whatever, you know, however it might feel to you, the better prayer is, Lord, I know you're with me and that you'll take me through this thing. And if I could know it was coming, I would look at myself in the mirror and then I would get into it. And then I would go through it and then I would come out of it. And, and when I look at myself in the mirror... I'm not going to see scorched and burned and tore up. What I'm going to see is Jesus. I saw Jesus a little when I went in. I see Jesus a lot when I come out. Who am I looking at? I'm looking at me. But the trial is bringing me to maturity. What's maturity? It's Jesus, right? Right, okay. So I rejoice in that I can come to Jesus and cast all my cares and burdens. Literally, that's an everyday even in the good time, it, it, it's, a, it's a mindset that understands that there's a process that I'm going through. There's someone who is immensely able to see that I'm going to get out the other end of it. And who not only will see that I get out the other end of it, he's going to see that if I go through it, I'm going to be better when I get out the other end of it. Better like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yep. Yeah, because every good thing given and every perfect gift or every good gift and perfect thing comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. Boy, I think I butchered about 12 scriptures today, but I I think I got the gist of them right. If there's anything that's worth having, anything that's worth having, it came from God. And you know what? It's interesting. That's true for people that don't love God as much as it's true for people that love God. That's exactly right. His sunshine and his rain falls on the just and the wicked. There's a grace that God gives to every human being. He made them all, all of us in his image. And there's a certain grace that they get now. Everybody gets it. We should be thankful for it. I know I was that guy for most of my life. (laughs) Oh, man. So... Think you are. Everything that happens to us in this world basically is earthly, but the joy and the peace is that which is heavenly within us. Amen. We walk through it like that as the people of heaven. That our life is in heaven, there won't be anything like this life when we see him at that day. A short a short time from now, really. A fifty, a hundred years are very short. So God God is working with us to understand that. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's why I didn't preach the other sermon today. <laughs> I was going to start it out. You ever have one of those things that 
You think you get it, but you can't explain it to save your life. And then my example was the Trinity. I get the Trinity. I really do. Ask me to explain it to you, and I got about 30 seconds worth of stuff, and I'm done. I just can't. I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it. Yep. Yep. Amen. Right. Demonstrated, no less. Right. you read the gospels all the time disciples ask jesus what color is the sky and he's you know he talks about a dog or something it's like jesus did you not understand them well in the original greek i mean let me share a testimony that 95 percent of you know but it, it, it's it's my testimony <laughs> three and a half years ago we lost joe joe was 30 years old joe finally found his place in life you know he kind of he kind of struggled a lot early in life he, in school, he had some special ed classes and some regular classes. He didn't lack intelligence, but the way Joe was wired, he just, if he had a good special ed teacher, he, he was the smartest guy in the world because they, they understood how Joe learned. So they taught him how he learned instead of expecting him to be able to learn from their standard way of doing it, right? And he could thrive in really hard subjects. You know, he had lots of talents. He was, you know, everybody loved Joe. At his funeral, there was like 600 people there. It was awesome. But he died, and he was only 30, and he was our son. And, um, I mean, I grieved. I, God bless, where's Grandpa Larry? Grandpa Larry happened to be with me when the cop, the Argentine police chief, showed up at the door. And you've heard this. I still think it's cute. When I saw, I couldn't see him because we have a door, but we got those little glass things on the side. I could see a gun in a uniform. I'm like, oh man, Ashley beat somebody up at school. <laughs> and he came and, I mean, how do you do that guy's job? I don't know. But he had to tell me that our son Joe was dead. He was in Utah. He was a truck driver. and He, he was in Utah when he died. Didn't, it wasn't an accident. He just dropped dead in the truck when it was parked. As I'm trying to sort it out in my, in my time with the Lord, like, you know, in the next day, the Lord gives me a scripture, Isaiah 57, verse 1. I mean, and, and you know me, those that know me, Isaiah just makes my head spin, you know. They're hard scriptures for me. I'm learning, I'm getting better, but I mean, Isaiah's not, not an easy one for me. But I've been taught when I'm seeking the Lord, he'll speak to me through Isaiah. And, and, I'll, and I'll get stuff. Anyway, that scripture speaks to God takes the righteous, and nobody even notices it. Like, like God takes the righteous, and nobody even notices it. They don't take it into account that God did it to keep them from evil. So I thought, Lord, I mean, Joe's only 30. He didn't have any health problems. And one second he's alive, one second he's dead. And you took him. Well, once I had that revelation, everything changed. Because I know God, and I love God, and I know God's love. I mean, I'm sure I don't know the fullness of it, but if you got a mustard seed of God's love, you understand it's something. It's something. And so I, I got to this place of thinking it's like lord thank you for taking joe i mean i miss joe he's a character he's just fun he was just a a, a wonderful son i miss him 
missed him then, I miss him now. But I never have any regrets because I've come to understand God's goodness. And my daughter-in-law said, there's something wrong with you. She said, there's something wrong with you. I'm like, why? She's like, because you don't know how to grieve. I'm like, because I don't have grief. I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm happy that Joe is gone. How can you be happy? Because God's the one who decided to take him. And God, who's immensely wiser, smarter, everything than I am, I, that's Isaiah again, 55. Don't you know that my ways are greater than your ways? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Okay, well, if I can accept that, then I can accept that I don't understand necessarily. But if God did it, I say, amen, God. I even made this statement. I don't mean it as prophecy, but I said, Lord, whenever you're ready, you take them all if you want them. Because I trust you so much. And that's what I think he's trying to get at with some of these scriptures that he put on our hearts today from that song, is that you've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. You've got to decide that he's good. That, that, was, that was his sermon. It was called Choices, you know, and, and he walked the sermon into an altar call. But we really do. We've got to choose. When I talk to somebody and they're struggling and they're like, you know, well, your God's a bad God and they want to tell me all these things, I say, hey, listen, I've made a decision. I trust him. I've made a second decision. He's good. Explain to me about all the children that had to die in Canaan. I said, I can't. I have no grid to hang that on. In my sensibilities, it's awful. But I'm not God. And I task you to look at the cross. So I wonder where those little children are that had to die in Canaan. We'll find out someday because we'll know as we're known. But whenever something or somebody, who's you know, the devil through direct thoughts or some people's voices, try to get me to think bad about God, I say, no, I've decided. There's nothing you could show me in the scriptures. There's no story you could tell me about Sandy Hook Elementary School or 9-11 or nothing that's going to move me off that rock that God is good. And every time you try, I remember the cross. And I think about somebody who would do that for me, who essentially, before I knew him, hated his guts. And I wasn't afraid. I mean, I didn't say I hated him. I was a little scared, but... But I didn't, I didn't, I'm like, hey, God's all a bunch of nonsense. You know, you, you're just dumb. No, you're dumb. <laughs> so my point is this, I guess, it's God's point, because I didn't have any point when I walked in here this morning. The point, I think, is this. Step out into the fire, if that's what's in front of you. Do whatever it is, hard thing, that's in, in front of you, and know that God is with you. And he's trustworthy. And he will give you peace. And if you don't have peace, it's because something else is influencing your soul that's not Jesus. Because Jesus gives peace. You have it. I have it. We have it. Heaven forbid. I pray none of you ever experience, you know, everybody is either going to die or get raptured, I guess. Never have to experience losing Joe in, in whatever that context would be for you. But if you do, I pray that your trust will be so good in God he'll give you that same revelation that he gave me. And you can rejoice in the passing of your son, Joe, because you understand that a good God took him. And he took him for what has to be a good reason, or he wouldn't have took him. And that everything is better. Everything is better. Because God made that decision. Amen? Amen. Sure. Yep. Chapter 3.
That's exactly right. So you step into the Amen. Wow, that's a great point. I don't know how this is going to sound on the recording. I'm sure it's going to hear me. <laughs> but I'm not sure about all these good points. So let me just let me just restate that in case it didn't get captured in the microphone. That one of the things that we learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they went in bound and they came out unbound. When you walk in the fire with Jesus, there's probably, maybe part of that maturing is to get some kind of bondage free. What is it that I'm believing? What's the lie I'm believing that's binding up my life, that's drug me into this particular trial, that if I'll walk through that trial trusting Jesus and believe in the truth, I'm probably going to have to confront the truth in the trial. And if I'll acknowledge, right, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, he will make your path straight that that bondage is going to come off of me to the praise and the glory of the Lord. Father God, thank you.